Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Healing Insight Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners can help patients with everything from digestion to weight loss, autoimmune conditions to fertility, and so much more. But today we're talking about sleep. It is crucial to our health, and a lot of us aren't getting enough good quality rest. And Senya says things like stress or anxiety, a nutritional deficiency, or a hormonal imbalance can be impacting our sleep. Healing Insight can help with those issues and treat you with acupuncture, utilizing calming points on the wrist, on the heart meridian that help you finally relax and sleep, and recommending herbs to calm stress and supplements to balance hormones. I see Senya regularly. She places needles in strategic points and then just lets me rest. I call it an acupuncture nap, and it's like a full night of restorative sleep in about 30 minutes. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com to see Senia's gorgeous new website and learn all about all of the treatments she offers. That's HealingInsightOnline.com. I'm Elizabeth Reese, and this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Okay, so Marjorie is off this week. She is headed to visit her mom, and um, so it is just me and our next guest. But I wanted to make sure that we got Liz Winky back with us uh, just as the new year was starting, as the diet culture is in full force. This is like the Super Bowl for diet culture, which is the beginning of a new year. And Liz joined us last week to talk about intuitive eating and the work that she's doing as an intuitive eating counselor. As we mentioned last week, she's a mental health therapist and an intuitive eating counselor, and she works with venture therapy and educates people about the harm of diet culture and works with individuals who are looking to really heal their body image and then make peace with food. So Liz, your episode last week was so great, and we talked so much about intuitive eating, and we realized after all of that conversation that we hadn't even gotten a chance to delve into really the how-to of it, Liz. Yes, so I'm so yes. glad that you're back this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. You are so welcome. We are missing Marjorie, but I know that she will be listening and um, because she was so interested in our conversation. And so, okay, when we talk about intuitive eating, and this is just a, a little heads up, if you guys are listening and you didn't listen to last week's episode, I would just hit stop right now and just go back to last week's because it is so important to get this basis of this idea of what intuitive eating is versus diet culture. And there is no greater time when they are at odds than at the first of the year. So let's talk about what people are going through at this point in time, Liz. I mean, as as we're talking, we're just ending the, the year, heading into 2021. People are so obsessed with a new year, new you anyway, but yes. then add on the fact that 2020 has been so tough. Do you feel like... This is going to be the one thing people are going to be launching into diets even more because it feels like something they can control. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen so much of that happening just since 
COVID started in March. And it's really easy when you are stuck at home, stressed about the state of the world, like all these things kind of come into play and it's really easy to go, I need a project. I need somewhere to focus my energy. I need something to do. And a lot of times what we do is focus on food in our body because that's what our culture says is a productive, great thing to do. So as we are continuing in this quarantine COVID life and entering a new year, it's just that much more prevalent. And this is always a, like you said, a time when diet culture, you know, is screaming loud at us, but I feel like this year is like none other. We are definitely told that if we are thin, we are better at everything. And that if we are thin, then we'll have everything together. And it's so, you know, since we've been having this conversation and since I have been, I mentioned this last week, since I've been following you on Instagram and then kind of checking out the other people that you've been posting, Mm -hmm. I have just had like this total awakening of realizing this system that I've bought into that Mm -hmm. I did not even realize that I'd bought into. And it's now it's like, I'm thinking about it so much and I'm seeing it everywhere. Is Is this what happened to you when you first started to realize that this was a different path? Yes, a hundred percent. I think it's so insidious and we never were given the opportunity to give informed consent on diet culture. Like no one said, Hey, FYI, this is a thing and you should decide now if you want to be part of it or not. Like it's just part of the fabric of the culture that we live in. And I think It's really hard to see it for what it is, but once you do see it for what it is, it's like glaring everywhere. You know, I mean, it it totally is. Just in the silliest things, you'll find it and you're like, what is that? Like children's books that you're reading to your kids and all of a sudden they like say something about food and you're like, wait, what? But you know, you would just normally breeze right over that. And then when you start to notice it, you see it's everywhere. Okay. I love that you said that about the children's book because I want to get into where we start with eating intuitively, but I have to tell you that the other night I was reading my kids this book, How Do Dinosaurs Eat Their Food? And it's a book that's meant to talk about like manners at the table, right? But what I thought of, Liz, because we're really big with the kids on listen to your body, like listen to your body. And when your body says you're full, if your body says you're full, that's great. And you you have to kind of decipher that a little bit with toddlers who want to get up and run around and go like, hey, if you ate half a of this. I know you're going to be begging for a snack in a half an hour, but like yes. working through that. But one of the points was like, do they eat all of their food and then ask for more? Like oh. that is, yeah. and that, you know, and, and that is considered good manners to finish all of your food and then yeah. ask for more. And so yes. nothing to me now that we've talked, I've been like, well, I don't want to teach my kids that having good manners is eating everything and then asking more. It's right. it's eating what satiates them, what makes totally. them feel good. And yes. I was like, oh, no, here it yes. is, even in the dinosaur it's book. It's wild. Totally. It's wild how early on it starts. And you just don't even really recognize it until once your attention is drawn to it by however that happens you start seeing it and you're like, man, it is just everywhere. I keep saying that, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Okay. So where do we start when it comes to eating intuitively? Because you work with people on an individual basis on this. And then you're also, I know, working through social media to try to draw attention to this. But I want to know if someone is saying, okay, I don't want to embrace diet culture. I want to figure out how to eat intuitively. What's step one? And then where do we go? Yeah. Okay. So 
I think one of the most important things and probably one of the hardest things about intuitive eating is that it's not about weight loss. So, so many people that are stuck in the diet mentality are obviously there because they've been pursuing weight loss for any given amount of time. Some people like for their whole life, some people in the recent years, but because intuitive eating is not about weight loss, like people get to this point where they're like at diet rock bottom and they just like want to be done with diets, but they don't really want to let go of the idea that they could lose weight. So what, what the book talks about, the intuitive eating book talks about, and kind of I've now found to be true for myself and clients that I work with is that you really have to try your best to set weight loss on the back burner. It doesn't mean you have to like be totally fine with not ever losing weight again, You don't have to like get to that point before you start, but you kind of have to just go, okay, I'm going to set that aside so that I can try to heal my relationship with food and my weight is going to do what it's going to do. So, you know, again, that's probably one of the hardest things to do because what you want is a fix to this problem, but you think that your body is the problem and it's not. And it's really hard to get back in touch with what your body's trying to tell you if you're trying to manipulate it into something else. If you're trying to be smaller, if you're trying to to dictate your size and your weight, it's going to be really challenging to like trust your body's signals because you're like, Oh wait, but if I eat all that, then I I might gain weight. Or if I eat all that, then I won't, you know, lose any weight or whatever. So I think setting weight loss on the back burner is like step one and you kind of have to keep, keep setting it back there. You know, you, you, you start maybe, and then it creeps up again and you kind of have to set it to the side again. So there are some ways that are helpful to, start to do that. And a few of them that I think are really helpful are like, get rid of the diet tools, delete my fitness pal off your phone, move the scale or throw it in the garbage. Honestly, stop following people on social media that are pushing diet culture stuff that are trying to sell diets or posting tons of before and after pictures and that kind of stuff. Like if it's someone that you have a relationship with, maybe like mute them or yeah. just unfollow. Like if you're looking at it and it's giving you this idea that like, oh, that's what I could do or I promoting weight loss in whatever way, get rid of that. Like you don't need to consume that all day, every day on your phone if you're really trying to make peace with food in your body. So I think and is that even in the tricky ways of like a whole 30 cleanse where that's, I mean, that's what we talked about last time too, where yes. those aren't even necessarily, I mean, they talk about weight loss, but they try to say that that's not really about weight loss. It's yes. like, this is about health and wellness. And that's what yes. I'm talking about. Like keto, paleo, whole 30, right. all of those. hundred percent. I mean, yes. Like the whole 30, Actually, it's funny because the Whole30 was like my diet rock bottom. Like I found intuitive eating and just kind of swore off dieting after I made it through like 11 days of the Whole30 and decided that like I didn't want to live like that ever. So like beans um, are acceptable. Hello, can I have a bean, please? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Honestly, when you're starting to crave, yeah. Like you. The bean part makes me crazy about the Whole30. Give the people the beans. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. So I think, okay, so okay, so yes. then, so those are like some tangible things to just try to get that out of our minds. Yes. Yep. Right. Exactly. And then you know, intuitive eating is a framework. It's not just like a eat whatever you want whenever you want all the time. Like it's not like this full like let go of health, let go of wellness, let go of all that stuff. It is a it is a framework, and there are ten principles. 
um, that go along with it. And it's not step one, step two, step three, but it's kind of just this overall framework where you kind of work through these yeah. different things to, yeah, eventually. Okay. Cause that's what it. I've sort of wondered because to me, yeah. okay, a diet mentality is here's the program. You follow yeah. step one, step two, step three, whatever those steps are. Yes. You do it for this amount of time and yep. then inevitably you're going to fall off the wagon and then yep. you're going to go back and then you're going to yep. have to figure out if you want to do that program again or do a new program. So right. that's how the diet culture keeps us spending money and keeping yeah. our focus yes. on everything and how the patriarchy keeps us down. But that's yeah. for a separate, separate day. Okay. So, yes, then, yes. <laughs> so with this, you have 10 principles. What are a couple of them that you find really produce some light bulb moments for people? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of what I was just talking about, about the get rid of the diet culture tools is reject the diet mentality is the first principle. So anything that's kind of promoting this diet, like food rules stuff is you got to as best as you can clear that out of your life. So however, you know, if you're subscribed to women's health magazine, and it's always like this 30 day meal plan, get rid of the magazines, get rid of all that stuff. So I think that's, one really important one. The next part that I think is really important is two of the principles are not necessarily right back to back, but honor your hunger and feel your fullness. So intuitive eating is not the hunger fullness diet. However, a big part of it is listening to your body's needs. Our bodies are so efficient at telling us when they're hungry and when they are full and when they're satisfied. And We have been taught by all these years of diets to not listen to that. Don't let yourself get too hungry or don't eat past full. Or if you do, then wait a long time, intermittent fast. Even if you're hungry, ignore your hunger signals because you need to wait. So honoring your hunger and feeling your fullness is something that we just, it's an innate thing that we know how to do. And yet we haven't had any practice doing it for so long. Yeah, because it starts with a dinosaur book telling you that if you're going to have good manners, you eat all your food and then you ask for more, regardless, with no conversation about listening to how your body feels. Yes, exactly. And so many people grew up with parents who made them sit at the table until all their food was gone, the clean plate club. um, Yeah. And that was like my parents' generation, but then even more so, I think our parents passed that down to us too, uh, many of us. Of yeah. just like, that's what you do. Like there's children dying in other countries that don't have food. And it's this kind of, you know, it's a depression era pass down, I think. Yeah. With the, yes, with that, 100%. it really, and I get it, you know, that comes, I think yeah. a lot of this stuff can come from a good place of like, totally. it's not like everybody's trying to hurt anyone. It was, Hey, no. we don't have that much. You need to eat what is here because this is what we have. But then over right. time that's gotten twisted. Yes. And what we're seeing is like eating disorder rates on the rise. So many people stuck in this dieting mentality. Like people are, people are struggling honestly with their relationships with food. And some of this stuff is just not even being in touch with our bodies at all. Not knowing when we're hungry, not knowing when we're full, not acknowledging that like, Hey, you know what? Like I need vitamin C. Oranges are sounding good. And, and like, Oh, but oranges have too much sugar or, you know, whatever. It's just like our bodies know how to tell us what they need yeah. And we, because of all our food rules that interfere, we just can't, we're not able to respond. And I think that getting back in touch with that is possible, but it's challenging. It's really hard work to, you know, really start to listen and tune out all that other stuff and go like, okay, my body knows what it needs and it is telling you, it is telling you, but 
to get back in touch with being able to listen and respond to that is it's hard, but it's possible. It's funny because it's actually the only time that I feel like you are encouraged to honor that is when you're pregnant Yeah, because you're encouraged to honor it when you're pregnant because all throughout every one of my pregnancies and Liz, you've had four babies. I don't know how many pregnancies, but four babies and I have had three babies and all of the, everybody always says, what are you craving? What are you craving? And they like, so encourage you to, to like, Not to give in, not to, I mean, kind of to give in, but to say, hey, go for it because that is what your body is saying that you need. I mean, even when I was pregnant this last time and uh, Senia, my acupuncturist who sponsors Best of the Nest, she said, what are you craving? And I said, just like carbs and cheese. And she was like, you need dense fat Mm -hmm. and you need that carb. Like your body is telling you. She's like, you need to just listen to it and go for it. And, you know, and, and it's like she's encouraging what, what are the, I mean, that's her normal deal that she's always encouraging you to listen to your body and to pay attention to your body. But you know, you, but even part of me is like, oh my gosh, my holistic health person is telling me to eat carbs and cheese. Like that's, that's not her issue. That's my issue that I'm hearing because I'm thinking I've been told for so long. Well, of course you shouldn't eat that. That's like a guilty thing. And, and so my immediate thought was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, carbs are so demonized right now in our culture. I feel like in my like younger years, it was low fat was the thing. Like fat is snack wells, girls. Snack wells. Yeah. Yeah. Snack wells. Yeah. And now fat is like the thing, like eat all the fat and you know, whatever, but carbs right now are just like on trial and Carbs are our bodies and our brains preferred fuel. Like it is easy to break down. It gives you fast energy and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's what our bodies need. And especially like you were talking a little bit about with kids, people are so afraid of how much carbs their kids are getting and like make sure your kids are getting enough protein and whatever. But like kids are growing and they need simple carbs to get through their day. Like they don't just like that. I mean, you know, we, there's lots of, things with kids, but kids don't just want carbs because they taste good. Kids want carbs because they need energy. And it's the same with adults. And, you know, we've been taught that like, if you are craving bread, like something's wrong with you or like you have no self-control and it's because our brains need energy. That's exactly it. Okay. So that's, that's another question that I want to ask you. How then within this framework, do you reconcile the interest in nutrition? Because a lot of us are interested in eating nutrient dense foods and wanting foods that are going to fuel our body. But I feel like that can almost get to be a slippery slope. If you think about that, are you then slipping into diet culture? How does intuitive eating handle that? Yes. Well, it's interesting because the last principle of the 10 in intuitive eating is called honor your health with gentle nutrition. And so it's, you know, it's very commonly misconstrued that intuitive eating doesn't care about health, doesn't care about nutrition, but intuitive eating was written by two nutritionist dietitians. Like they care about nutrition. They know all the science, like they, they're not like, Hey, screw that. Like it's important, but it is the last principle because it's really hard to do it in a gentle way. That's honoring to your body when you have all these rules and you have this diet mentality going on and you don't know when you're hungry and you don't know when you're full and you know, you don't respect your body. You don't care like what your body's size is meant to be. It's really hard to not make nutrition into food rules and um, a way to manipulate your body. But gentle nutrition, the idea of gentle nutrition is thinking about things. Like I like to think of it as like, what can you add into your diet that would add 
nutrients, would add nutrient density without necessarily taking anything out. Like you want a bagel, have a bagel, but maybe you have an egg with it. Maybe you have a smoothie with it for, for some fruit. Maybe you have veggies on it for a sandwich. Like what can you add in versus take out? It's not about removing all sugar. It's not about removing anything that you like to eat or enjoy eating or that is, you know, there's, there's nutrients in everything. I mean, even the most like stripped down things have like, you can get energy from it. Like our bodies. Yeah. There's macros in it. Right. I can't, I can't accept this, (laughs) but it's, it's about what can you add in? And then thinking about like, let's say you're out to dinner and there's, you know, this whole menu of foods that sound good. And one thing is like this rich pasta dish. And one thing is this like veggie thing. Diet culture says, pick the pasta dish. And if you want the pasta dish, get the pasta dish, eat it and move on with your life. But if both sound equally good to you, maybe you lean toward the other one, not because you have to, not because you should, but just because, Hey, my body might need some more nutrients. Like it doesn't have to be such a rigid binary black and white thing. And until you've really worked through some of the body image and the eating stuff, the diet culture stuff, it's really hard to make nutritional choices from a place of self-care. It's all about like self-control and and what do I have to do? And I, you know, I want this, but I'm going to get this. So gentle nutrition honors your health, but it also takes into account, like, what do you enjoy eating? Like eat that and add some other things into it. So I think it's, it's just easy to think that intuitive eating is like eat all the donuts you can all the time, but it's not that it's, but it's, Maybe you have to start with eating all the donuts that you haven't eaten because that's all you want. And then you kind of move through that and get to this point where you can make choices from a place of self-care. Yeah, from self-care. That's so, that's such good stuff. Okay. When you're working with clients then, are you, I, I would assume you're not going like, Session one, step one. I mean, is that how it works or is it, is this like a consistent, do you kind of figure out what people really struggle with and then pull the principle out that you need to work with them on? Yes, exactly. I mean, so it's, uh, my model is a like pretty traditional talk therapy model, but I've incorporated intuitive eating into it. So, you know, if you've been in therapy before, a lot of times what you're doing is talking about how the week went, talking about like things that have happened, relationship conflicts, like different things like that. And mostly what people are seeking me out for is struggles with food and their body. And that happens in real time in real life. And so it's, you know, we kind of just talk through what's going on. And then I, you know, I'm listening, especially for that diet culture stuff, some of the negative thinking patterns, and we just kind of work through that together. And there's different Um, embodiment, especially exercises that I really enjoy teaching people of how to feel what they're feeling, feel, you know, what their body is trying to tell them. And that's something that we work on together. But yeah, no, it's not like a prescribed, like, step one, step two, step three, it's kind of like a take it as it comes and fluid thing that we work through together. Yeah, okay. So what happens when people I think right now too, like, food intolerances can sometimes twist into body diet things too. We're like, I'm off gluten because it makes me feel better. I mean, some people are certainly celiac and some people maybe do have an intolerance 
to gluten. I mean, I, I don't know. My sure. sister, if she eats ice cream, she has a stomach ache. She knows it's going to happen totally. and she judges based on her day if yeah. it's going to be worth yeah. it or not because she does love yeah. ice cream. You know, that's like yeah. the struggle. And But again, I feel like that yeah. kind of stuff can get really tricky where it can get like ah uh, control issues. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think it can get, again, really black and white. Diet culture wants us to make it, you either eat all the dairy you want or you don't eat dairy at all. And, and right. you know, when you get to this point where you can start to listen to your body, again, you're going to be making choices that feel best to you. Like, if I start to notice, like, hey, every time I eat ice cream, it makes me feel sick, but yeah. I never let my, you know, if you don't ever let yourself have ice cream, you're going to be like, who cares? I'll eat it, whatever. But you yeah. might notice as you move through intuitive eating, you start to go, I, I like ice cream, but I don't really like how it makes me feel. If I yeah. really want it, I can have it. And if I, mm-hmm. you know, if I don't want to feel like that, then I'll choose something else. And it's not because it's a rule, but anytime you really like rigidly cut something out, unless it's for like a true food allergy, anytime yeah. you're like, no, I am never eating this again. Like I don't eat sugar. I don't eat whatever almost immediately our body's like, I want it. I want it. And <laughs> I, th- I think obviously if there's a true food allergy, that's one thing. But if it starts to be an intolerance, as you move through the principles of intuitive eating and really get back in touch with your body, you're probably going to move away from the things that naturally don't make you feel good. And it's not mm-hmm. because, hey, dairy doesn't really make me feel good. And I notice that I lose weight when I don't eat dairy. And then it turns into yeah. this whole thing. You know, it's more about like taking care of your body and wanting to feel your best. Okay. So what happens if you're intuitively eating and then you do lose weight and then you like feel, I mean, better? I don't know. How do you then reconcile that? Because you've put weight loss on the back burner, but at the same time, I mean, and and I know from myself that, and I am right now, you know, 11 weeks postpartum. And so it is very irritating to me to try to put clothes on that don't fit. And so I'm just like... Yes. in that space of like, ah, uh, I just, Super vulnerable this is, time. yes, yeah. totally. Okay. So what happens when you're intuitively eating, you do lose weight. And then mm-hmm. a lot of us do feel better if we've dropped a little bit, you know, we feel a little lighter. We feel like we've got more energy. We feel like our, our bodies are more efficient. How do you handle sure. that? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, weight loss is not bad. It's not putting weight loss on the back burner because weight loss is bad. It's that the attachment to what that means and the attachment to your own sense of worth, your own sense of feeling attractive, all of those things that are attached to it is kind of the problem. So by putting weight loss on the back burner, the idea is not, I can't lose weight and losing any weight is bad. It's that I have to just detach myself from whatever the outcome. I might lose weight. I might gain weight. And I might stay the same. And all of those things are okay. And I think it's just setting it on the back burner and not having that as an expectation that like, oh, if I don't lose weight, then I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, You know, it's really easy to hold on to like, if I don't, you know, I mean, any of us that would ever go on a diet would go, okay, I'm going to do this. But if it's, if I'm not losing any weight, obviously I'm not going to keep doing this because it's you know, <laughs> yes. feels terrible. Um, yeah. so yeah, of course, and of course, like there's a lot of things that go into like fat phobia and all those things. So w- desiring weight loss is the culture that we live in and, you right. know, losing some weight and feeling really good. That's a product of the culture that we live in. I also think it's important to remember that weight loss is not a behavior. And there's plenty of times that you can feel better without actually losing any weight. Like your response to how you feel based on what you're eating doesn't like, could that happen 
could you feel good in your body? Could you feel good in the way you move, in the way you eat without losing any weight? Or is it only yeah. because you lost weight? Do you feel lighter, more energetic, whatever? Is that because you've lost weight? Or is that because you're listening to your body and your body has the energy that it needs and you're responding? I think a lot of times we associate like when you lose weight, you feel better. But sometimes it's because it's for many other reasons that, you know, have nothing to do with actually the pounds of fat on your body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think just trying as best you can to detach from the outcome uh, weight wise is important because there's a lot of things that can happen that make you feel good that, you know, maybe you'll feel better and lighter and more energetic, but you've gained 10 pounds. Yeah. Is that okay then? And I think it's important to be okay with, or at least accepting of the outcome as best you can. Okay. That's good advice. I, so when you're, when you're on this path of intuitive eating, is it a point that you get to that it just happens? Or is this like so many things in life where we sell ourselves on this idea that, oh, once I get to this point, then I'm done doing the work, which I think yeah. is like the greatest lie that we tell ourselves yeah. in life about everything because yeah. we have this thought of like, we'll be done and then that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, totally. Arriving. That's, arriving at the yes. destination. And yes. here's the new newsflash. When you're done, you're dead. Okay? Yeah. So 100%. when you're done, you're dead and, and yeah. that's okay too, but that's just <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. You're, when you're just waiting to be done, you're yes. just waiting totally. to be dead. Yes. Exactly. So I would have exactly. to imagine that this is a daily practice. This isn't like a, an arrival sort of a thing. No, no. I, I think, I don't remember where I heard this. It's probably in the book, to be honest. I've read the book so many times that it's pro that's probably where it is. But I think they describe learning intuitive eating as learning to drive a car. At first, when you're driving, you're learning to drive, you are so hyper vigilant of everything. You are gripping the yeah. wheel super hard. You are like, trying to figure out like how to navigate yourself in space. You are signs and other cars and all these things feel like overwhelming that they're coming at you. Yeah. But the eventually stops, the starts practice, are very aggressive. Yes, exactly. But eventually as you progress in your practice of driving, you start to get to a place where it's just second nature. It just is like yeah. something you do. And yeah, of course, if like a car comes out of nowhere, you're like, whoa, you know, what happened here? Or you know, I didn't expect that light to turn red that fast or, you know, different things happen where you are like, then your awareness is brought back to it. But how many times have we gotten in our car and driven somewhere and been like, man, I don't even like really remember driving home that much. Like, yeah, you're or you not, accidentally you're not drive to, to work attention. and you weren't going to work. Totally. Yes. You're just, you don't have to pay attention to every single detail that's happening because your body is just like naturally learned how to do it without being hypervigilant. Mm -hmm. And I think intuitive eating is the same way. Like at first it's going to feel really hard. It's going to feel like every meal, every snack, every time you get hungry, every time you start to be feelful, you're just questioning like, am I full enough? Am I hungry enough? Am I, yeah. you know, is, is, should I eat that? But like, I don't, you know, I'm not, I wasn't supposed to, I've already ate carbs today. And I, is that too much? Or, you're just kind of constantly making this overthinking, like rigid attitude toward it, but toward yep. it. But as you practice and as it goes on, it starts to just become a calmer, more natural thing. And you just, it becomes second nature. And yeah, sometimes like, of course you try on a pair of pants that used to fit and now they feel tight. And all of a sudden you kind of are struggling with body stuff again. And you have some diet thoughts that come into play, but once you've kind of gone through the process of making peace with food in your body, those bad body days or those eating things where you're like, man, I, I really overate last night and I don't feel good. You don't get as bogged down in that and it doesn't start this whole spiral of shame and 
guilt and all these things. So of course, you're still going to have body image stuff. Of course, eating stuff's going to come up like that's we're people. We're never going to do this perfectly, but it just starts to become less complicated, I think, over time. I can imagine then that once you're more in touch with your body in terms of food, it's probably a lot easier to be more in touch with lots of things. Because I have this, and we've talked about this on the podcast too, I really believe that we are so out of touch with our bodies and our, um, our just our cells as humans, like what our body is telling us to do. I mean, this is why Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that like when people garden, they feel so much better Mm -hmm. because it's like you're, this is what we are meant to do as humans. When you get down to the fundamentals, we are meant to grow things. We are meant to have our hands in the earth. We are meant to do those things. So, and and, I mean, that's not necessarily for everybody, but I feel like that's like why my husband loves hunting so much because he, that is like a primal thing for him, you know, like those, whatever hobby it is for you that connects you to who we are innately as people, I think is very Mm -hmm. important. And we've become so detached from that, that I could imagine that once you get in touch with your body on food, you can probably start to get in touch with yourself on other things too. Like, does it become a little bit of a snowball? Yes. I think honestly, like part of it is that your brain space opens up so much for other things when you're not constantly tallying calories and checking food labels and meal planning really tight and cooking three weeks worth of meals in one day for meal prep and dividing it. When you're so bogged down with all of these rigid rituals of getting your food just right, you don't have a lot of mental energy for a lot of other things. And once Mm -hmm. that starts to quiet and clear out, I mean, I think it start, it can sometimes start this whole thing of, man, I want to like start a new career or I want to like <laughs> do all these new things because you just never really had the brain space to even let that go. Honestly, if I wouldn't have found intuitive eating and gone through my own work, I don't think that I would be doing therapy now. Like I got my, my master's in, in counseling in 2010. And then I started staying home with my kids. And it was in that, I honestly thought I'd never go back to therapy. Like, I just didn't think that it was for me. I didn't, I didn't know if I was good at it. I just like, I just, I didn't know. I didn't think I would really ever go back. And as I went through my own journey and my own work, I found this like huge passion for helping other people and reaching other people and educating them, helping them come to the same peace with food and their bodies that I did. And all of a sudden now I'm at a practice, I'm doing working with clients. And I just really don't think that I would have ever gotten to that place of wanting to work with clients again, had I not gone through this journey myself. And I think it's because I had the mental energy and the space to like, work that out and find a purpose and find um, value in other things that I'm capable of doing. Okay. That is so incredible. Okay. So yeah. I want to know two things then before we yeah. go. Um, and now I'm going to have to sign you on for a third podcast <laughs> at some point, because I do want to talk about this with kids at some yes. point down the line, yes. because I know you have four boys yes. and, and I think so much of Oreos at eight thirty out of the cabinet this morning. So like, I'm not going to say that I'm some sort of expert on that necessarily, but you know. we'll work through that. We'll work yeah. on it together. We will yeah. work on it together. It's no problem. Yeah. Um, my kids have been cookie obsessed with yes. this Christmas yes. holiday situation too. Um, but if you, two things, one, if you want to set up your day to Mm -hmm. start kind of thinking intuitively about your eating, what Mm -hmm. is something you could tell yourself in the morning that would 
kind of set you off on the right foot. And then sure. two, I want you to just kind of list through maybe a few resources that are really helpful for people. And yeah. then we'll obviously jot those down on our show notes too. I'll yeah. ask Liz to maybe send those over to me so that we can, um, so that you can take a look at those as well. But if you want to start your day right yeah. and you want to just kind of get yourself in that mindset of listening yeah. to your body, and I would think the morning would be a good place to start because you're, you know, you're fresh out of bed, yeah. you're ready to go. What do you think? Yeah, I think, well, one, I'm a huge fan of like, I mean, they sound a little woo woo, but I'm a big fan of mantras. Like I really like having like a phrase that I kind of repetitively go back to, especially when I'm like struggling or just wanting to start my day off on the right foot. And there's a couple that I think um, I have personally found really helpful. And I know my clients have as well. And one of those is my body can be trusted and just kind of repeating that to yourself. So if you're craving chocolate and you just feel like, man, I just shouldn't have chocolate, blah, blah, blah. Like my body can be trusted. There's something about that, whether it's, I need comfort. I need, I need sugar. I need just whatever, whatever it is. I think our bodies can be trusted and just kind of repeating that to yourself and starting your day off on that foot of my body can be trusted today Mm -hmm. um, is really helpful. And the other one speaks a little bit more to body image. And I have found that self-love is a little bit of a reach for a lot of people. I think, you know, if we can get to a place of like, I'm neutral about my body, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. If we can get to that place, I think that's a win in our culture. And the mantra that I've kind of repeatedly gone back to for myself is my body is my home. And I think it's just, if you if you reframe your body as like not this ornament that's like displaying for other people's consumption, it's not about like looking a certain way. It's like, this is the, this is the vessel that I live out my life in. And I think from that place, you can make choices that are rooted in self care and that aren't necessarily like trying to manipulate it into being something else. Like this is my home and I can take care of it and I can honor it and respect it and treat it with, care. And, and that's kind of, so I think those two are the the ones that I like. I like a lot because I think it just kind of encourages a self-care respect mindset. Oh my gosh. That like makes me tear up. My body is my home. I mean, that is really a big, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shift and, but it feels like a gentle enough shift because I think everyone can relate to that. Like some people talk about like really focusing on what your body can do. But then that's, that's not for everyone because you go through times when maybe your body is like, maybe you're going through an illness or you're whatever. And your body's like not performing the way you want it to. So it's kind of like, I can't get out of a chair without using my arms right now. Totally. totally. (laughs) Serious lack of core strength. (laughs) Yes. So sometimes that kind of falls short in my opinion, but I think at any time anyone can relate to like, my body is my home. This is what I live in every day as I live my life in whatever situation I'm in, like, here I am. This this is home. This is so good. Okay. So the intuitive eating book is a great, uh, is a great place to start. Yes. And I highly recommend the fourth edition. It just came out in June, I believe. Yep. Um, I just downloaded it on Audible. I've been listening to it. Yeah. And intuitive eating has evolved a decent amount since it started 25 years ago. And actually, Evelyn Triboli, the author of intuitive eating, was recently on a podcast called Food Psych with Christy Harrison. And she talks about like the differences in the fourth edition versus previous editions. And it's a really good listen if people are interested in that. Um, But yeah, so I highly recommend the fourth edition. It's like a green and yellow cover. Um, the other one was a different color, so that's maybe helpful to find it. Um, so I highly recommend that. And then I have two other books that I really highly recommend. One is called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. So same, she's the 
author of the book, but she hosts the Food Psych podcast, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, and that one goes a lot more into like the research on diets and kind of a lot of like, it can be a little heady, I think, but I, I found it super fascinating of like how the diet industry evolved into what it is today and like how insidious it is. And it's, I think it's a really interesting, good read. Which I think would be helpful for separating yourself from it, understanding totally. that it's a machine. It's a system. It's a machine yeah. and you can choose to buy in or not. And Absolutely. we, and unfortunately we have kind of not been able to choose, but now that you know, when you know, you know, and then yes. you can choose to not. Exactly. And the book is, it's written well enough that it's not, it doesn't feel like super, it's easy to read and it relates back to yourself and the things, I think her themes are like the things that diets have stolen from you, like your time, your money, um, all those things. So it's, it's a really good read. And then okay. the third one is called, I will just paraphrase, it's called the Effit Diet um, girl. By, by Caroline Duner. It is a very similar framework to intuitive eating, but she presents it in a little bit of a different way. And I inhaled that one when I got it. So uh, that's kind of the third one that I, those three would be my first three recommendations. There's a million great books out there. There's tons of like Instagram people to follow that are excellent, but those three books are at the top of my list. So, Oh, Liz, it was so good. Thank you so much. And follow Liz on Instagram at mamastay underscore well. Great follow. And I so appreciate your time. This has yes, been such absolutely. a good conversation. And if you take anything, my body is my home. What yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to besttothenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher and And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.